0: Welcome to the Dear Katie Podcast.
1: This is Katie Kessner. And this is Claire Kaplan. I just would like to remind our listeners that sometimes our discussions can be pretty difficult to hear, especially for survivors of trauma. So we again encourage all of you to care for your safety and your well-being. Please reach out for emotional support from family or friends, counselor if you happen to have one, or a hotline. Additional resources may be found on the Take Back the Night Foundation website and we'll share that address with you at the end of the
0: podcast. Thanks so much, Claire. And welcome, Matthew Green. Um, We are so delighted to um, have you on the show. And I know um, you have much to offer our listeners, our survivors and supporters. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
2: Hi there. Thank you very much. And just want to say as well, it's really a pleasure and an honor to be here. It's been a bit of a long time coming in terms of finding the right overlap with space. So as you know, my name is Matthew and I'm a therapist, not a psychologist. Doing uh, therapy work since 2006 and since about 2017, 2018, focusing on emotion regulation and supporting people to regulate their emotions through a process that my partner and I developed based on a problem that we were experiencing here in South Africa.
0: Oh wow, that sounds super helpful, Matthew. I can't wait to uh, learn more about how the process works. And as you know, you know we focus on survivors of sexual abuse and trauma in that realm, but so many of our listeners have also suffered other losses, you know, losing loved ones, um, through unexpected accidents, um, self-harm, you know, s- mental health, t- you know, suicide. We, we really cover a lot of types of trauma on our program. So I'm sure you will have a lot to offer. Um, and you, you know, mentioned you de- developed the system, you know, maybe you could share ha- how it came about and what are the components and what, whom, whom have you helped with it so far?
2: Yeah, sure. Just to say into that context as well is that when I was younger, I did engage with, uh, so I have a lived experience of the space as well in terms of being a survivor of suicide twice and before that ideation and well, as well as self-harm. So I know both sides, if you like, of the, the proverbial coin and I can tell you which one I do prefer. But the process, it's called Shape of Emotion. And essentially what it does is it works with the structure of the emotion, the felt sense of the emotion in the body. And why that is of, of interest or use is it takes away the need to understand emotions, to label emotions, and also the potential for re-traumatization. And we've helped lots of people uh, across the board. South Africa has, and this was how this Kind of podcast opportunity came about because we have quite horrific gender based violence statistics. A lot of the more traditional cultures that exist in South Africa, to, to contextualize what I mean, we have 11 official languages here, and a lot of the cultures are very patriarchal and male dominated. And as a result, you have the ensuing I'm a man, therefore I have rights, and you don't. And, I mean, you know where that can go. And the work has been done in those particular spaces. We're a developing country, so also levels of education play a role in, in understanding. And the process really works with any emotional state. But it's very, very good at trauma and loss and grief, things like that.
1: So I'm curious, um, you talk of the shape of emotion. If you were... Um if, can you give us sort of an example of how that would
2: work? So, the process basically has four steps. And the first step is to feel the emotion that you want to work with. And sometimes that's not really a choice, you are feeling it already. And then the second step is to find where the emotion is in your body. That's the first sort of step that we realized is many of us are disconnected from our bodies. I mean, when you experience trauma you can be very disconnected and then the part that you're asking after is the third step which is where you mindfully meaning being present observe what this emotion looks like and what we discovered in our research is that a particular emotion or the particular feeling of the emotion has certain characteristics and because of these characteristics, they have, it has a size, a weight, a color, a form, if you like, is maybe a, a better word. Because sometimes shape, people ask, is it a geometric shape? And although it can be, it can also be weird and wonderful things, fantastical things, things from nature, man-made things, and so on.
1: Let's say someone has described a shape and the sort of characteristics of an emotion. What do you, Where do you take
2: that? So, My therapeutic background draws on emotional freedom techniques. And one of the things that we discovered is that if you stimulate the various acupressure points, you invoke the parasympathetic nervous system. And so you get the brain to pull the opposite of the fight, flight, freeze response. And so by utilizing various touch points as we call them on the body together with what the shape of this emotion looks like, the structure or the shape of the emotion changes. And as that shape or structure changes, so does the experience of it.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. So you're doing both, you're doing both of these things simultaneously then?
2: Yeah. So the, the shape changes in and of itself, by itself in, in terms of doing the process. It's not something you do, Because the idea here is to move out of our heads into our bodies, be present to the experience of the emotion in the body, then move to the structure and then work with the structure. Because as the structure of the emotion changes, and to give you an example, there may be a big red ball in my stomach as and it may feel very heavy and I do one sequence of the touch points, then the ball gets smaller. The idea is to do multiple sequences, we call them wings, which I can get into later if there's interest. But the, the purpose or the, the goal of the process is to do as many wings as is necessary or needed until the shape completely disappears. Because when the shape is gone, the emotion is gone.
0: Matthew, yeah, can I ask and, uh, just that? Yeah, I'm so. I think it might help our listeners if you could, you know, almost do a case study with us or roll through an example, if you could, the, from start to finish, what would the process look like? I feel like, Claire, one thing we've heard a lot of is shame.
2: Okay. So it doesn't matter what it is, because the way, what we've seen then is this is now nearly five years old in terms of doing this work. So there's five years of of sort of lived experience, therapeutic experience of this. So the idea is to feel that shame. And what will happen is you feel it. And as I said a little earlier, maybe it's something that is constantly with you. So it's very familiar. And then it may be overwhelming. So you actually find that it gets in the way of living a life especially you know from a trauma perspective but you then will observe where you are feeling the shame in your body and it can be inside your body on the outside of your body or in some instances sort of floating around somewhere next to your body and then once you know where it is then you start the process of observing what it looks like and a lot of people Struggle with this initially, so it's comes, it gets easier with practice. And from a facilitation perspective or a being a therapist perspective, I would ask, what color is it? And then what form is it? And by form, it can be, as I said earlier, man made, organic, something natural, an actual shape could be three dimensional or two dimensional. Does it have a weight? If it does, does it feel heavy or light? Does it have a texture? And then you have an idea now of what this particular instance of shame looks like and where it is in your body. And then I would guide you where to touch, which is effectively an acupressure point with your fingertips. And you describe what it looks like. And we move through the points, sort of semi-alternating, describing where it is. And then at certain points, we sort of have a semi-mantra which says, I release and let it go. And there's 14 points and this the sort of collection of the points is called a wing. And as I said, we do as many wings as we need until the shape is gone. And when the shape is gone, that feeling of shame that we started with will be gone. That's not to say tomorrow I won't feel it again. Because emotions show up for various reasons. But what we've seen is that by consistently doing this process, you will build what we refer to as emotional fitness. And if you have a very, very big event, a very big trauma that happened in your life, it can be multifaceted. So you can approach it and little bit by little bit sort of release the emotion out of the body. And by unhooking, the emotion from the event, the event has less and less power.
0: Wow. I, I, I think it sounds incredible. And how long does the process take typically, or does it depend on the person, Matthew?
2: So the process of working with one emotion, if you know where the touch points are, can be around 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes. So you can get relief, literal relief. You can go from wired off the charts to down-regulate within 10 to 15 minutes.
1: And can you work with people? I, I obviously do this in person. But can you do it remotely as well?
2: In a context like this, yes. So we used to do what we call emotional fitness classes, which is where we help a group all at the same time because that was one of the key uh, sort of goals that we had when we developed it is we wanted to be able to help groups of people all at the same time. When you're working, when everybody's, it's the same process, but everybody works with their specific stuff, which means that I can help you and you don't have to tell me anything about what you're feeling. You don't have to tell me, you can just do the process and you will get relief.
1: So using these, this technique, this method... And you see, you can do it with groups. What kinds of groups have you worked with? Is it just individual survivors of trauma who've come to seek out your services, or have you gone to organizations? Do you work with specific communities? How do you do this?
2: In essence, yes to all of that. It just depends on the context. And also, what, because it's very uh, relatively new, it does take a fairly open minded person to engage. Effectively, what we did during COVID is we had online spaces, which is the emotional fitness class, and anyone who wanted to feel better just showed up and, and did it. We have worked in specific communities here in South Africa on specific <clears throat> things, traumas and, and what have you.
1: Do you find that, that certain communities are more receptive to, your, to this work than
2: others? So it's kind of a qualified answer. <clears throat> the more that people are in their heads, the more challenging it can be for it to work. The more aware people are of the body's role in our well being and emotions and where they show up, it does, it is a bit easier to sort of articulate this offering because it's not cognitive. I mean, you need to use your brain, obviously but it is not a cognitive process because we, we discovered that when you start talking emotions, people want to close the conversation down very quickly.
1: It feels a little bit to me like EMDR, if you're familiar with that. Just the, the sort of idea of talking about an emotion or in, in, in the case of EMDR, so you're talking about an event, but you're doing something physical. It's different, but it's it, the idea that it's, it's causing the brain to sort of Restructure how it addresses that emotion that comes up, even though you're not doing the sort of the way that you're doing it. And it's so interesting because it, it's not the same, but at the same time, I wonder if it utilizes different, similar pathways in a way. It would be interesting to, to see or see them compared in a way. I don't know. It's just, it's very interesting to me. And I'm thinking there are people that I know of who would probably find this really cool, you know, process and very interesting to do.
0: Well, I was, you know, Matthew. You mentioned it takes a certain mindset or acumen to maybe start the process. It, it can. It can you foster that in someone who's not immediately able to do, you know, that first step? Is there any pre-work?
2: So it, it just depends. Uh, what what we've seen is that there's two instances where the process doesn't work, and that is if somebody is very, very traumatized and disassociated from their body. And so they're literally out of their body. And then we have to go through a process, a gentle process over a period of time and acclimatizing them to come back into their body. The other one is if people are too cognitive. In other words, if their worldview is completely predicated through thinking and thinking is king. I mean, they're in and of the word thinking is the word king and we think that the world generally thinks too much and feels too little. But you can get people to come out of that space if they are willing, because that is the, the the sort of key here. And by and large, most people find it relatively easy to to engage. The openness that I was talking about was more from an organizational perspective, in terms of people being open to utilizing our services as an organization, whether individually or for groups.
1: I'm curious because there are so many different communities, ethnic groups in South Africa that do you find that that communities that are more in touch with more traditional healing practices or indigenous practices are more open to this than others? Like, you know, an academic from a white university kind of thing, you know. If you know what I mean, and I realize the party's over, but it's you know it has its legacy.
2: Hmm. Very much so. We get, I mean, the number of no's that we've had. I mean, getting a no is actually a good thing. Uh, often we just get stonewalled or, or silence because it is so different and such a different perspective on healing. And this is the interesting thing: is that we're not academics or psychologists. We set out to solve a problem of trauma in schools because typically in a developing environment, the way out is to look to education. But the environment here and in Africa is so rife with trauma that the learners are constantly in the state of fight, flight, or freeze. And as you know, your brain gets shut down. And so learning effectively is, is negated. And we just looked at what was available and in, in that context, people are living on less than $2 a day. And so access to traditional forms of psychotherapy is just non-existent. And that was why we wanted to develop this to see if we could attend to the trauma on masse. Wow.
1: And how did you come, come up with this, this method? I mean, what, what inspired it?
2: Well, there were really three guiding principles or goals. The first was to work. Create something that works with children as well as adults because notwithstanding trauma and, and then certainly this context in terms of of the space that, that you occupy, a lot of our stuff as adults originates from childhood and also children process emotions differently to adults. And then as I mentioned, the, the scale of the problem, there are 23 registered psychologists here in South Africa per 100,000 people.
1: Oh, wow. That's a very low number.
2: And, you know, when you're in a community that is living on less than $2 a day, access to that kind of help is just, oh, it's never going to happen. And then the third one was we just wanted to try and develop something that was very trauma-aware. Because of, you mentioned apartheid. Africa has suffered from colonialism, from slavery, and there's trauma all the time. And so those are really the things that we use to guide the process. Chantelle is my partner. Is a She's done her master's in, in executive coaching. I was an EFT therapist. We both studied NLP and I've been a Waldorf teacher or Steiner teacher at various stages. And we just kind of put things together and just kept holding up these goals as the, are we there yet kind of thing and tried it out and tested it. And it took us about 10 months.
0: I was just, yeah, Claire, I don't, I, I don't know where else we go, but maybe just a couple thoughts from you, Matthew, on, you know, what would you share with our survivors, especially since you're also a survivor of, you know, trauma, any, you know, w- outside of this development and important work, you know, on a personal level and growth level, what, what, what has helped you that you think others would find helpful?
2: So I think community is a big one. I think knowing that there are people that you can reach out to, part of my challenge when I was younger was thinking that it was all on me and that I had to do it alone. Oh, certainly my experience doing this work. Um, and also if I look back and think if, if this version of Matthew had been around for that version of Matthew, so old Matthew versus young Matthew, that things may have been very different and, I would say as well specifically to this work and, and, and what opportunities it presents is learning to feel more instead of trying to repress or control our emotions, endeavor to become friends with them. And I know that's saying a lot in a space like this sometimes, but really what I've been able to support people through and is... It comes, it's really sort of, you need to go through it, but not for very long before it gets released out of the body because you want the emotion out of the body.
1: And where from here? I mean, I'm thinking about have, since you've been doing this work for five years, have you found there's been an increase in requests for this or are you still kind of knocking on doors and trying to get, get that sort of general acceptance? So
2: it's very challenging in some instances being where we are, which is at the bottom of Africa. I mean, you saw how difficult it was for us to try and find this particular time slot. Uh, so there are those. We, we, we did start looking further afield in terms of, of levels of interest because ironically, even though we developed it for this context, people are burdened and overwhelmed and don't have capacity to take it up as much as we would have liked and and certainly from a an overseas or European or um, American perspective, we've got a maybe this is you, you can edit this out if it's inappropriate. We have a very favourable exchange rate, so you know if this resonates, we are open to engaging on whatever level, whether it's individually or doing doing collective work.
0: No, I feel like this was eye opening, Matthew, and you know just one more resource for you know, those who want to move from hurt to healing. So we want, I think the only other thing is, could you share a little bit about where our listeners could learn more about you or a platform you would refer them to?
2: Yes, by all means. And then just to say to both of you as well, if either of you are interested in not being recorded, obviously, but having a session, I'd be more than happy to take you through the process with something small just so you can have a lived experience of it because we've really found that you can't imagine what it's like to be feeling something do a process and then not feel it anymore but you can get hold of us or me rather through our website which is fifth.place. it's the number five 5th.place and we have a podcast as well called Emotions Matter Really and there we discuss all things around emotions and feelings and what it is to become and remain emotionally fit.
0: Thank you so much, Matthew. Well, we have greatly benefited from your conversation with us. And thank you for sharing that additional resource and your generous commitment to helping so many. I'm, I'm sure you have and will continue to do so. So Claire, could you close our session?
1: Well, thank you again, Matthew, for for being our guest today and for sharing your work with people who have experienced trauma. I, I have a feeling you may be hearing from some folks because it sounds like a really fascinating process. We're also grateful to all of you who joined us for this episode of Dear Katie, Survivor Stories. And if you need support but don't know where to find it, visit takebackthenight.org for a list of resources and how to reach our legal support hotline. And you can also help other survivors by subscribing to the podcast and sharing it far and wide. Please consider posting it on your social media and make sure to follow us on ours. Dear Katie is completely produced by a fantastic group of volunteers of all ages. Please you convey your thanks to them, but also we do too. And thank you listeners for being present today. Always remember, self-care is essential to healing and to thriving.
0: Thank you, Claire. And thank you again, Matthew. And to all of our listeners, we look forward to welcoming you to a future Dear Katie podcast session. Take care and be well.